Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Eric Rubin. I'm here with the man that some people call the king of Timonium, Mr. Gary Quill. I've yet to meet any of those people, but I've heard that. How you doing, Gary? It's great to be part of this uh, maiden voyage, using a uh, you know horse racing term for this podcast. Um, uh, Eric and I um, have our paths have crossed thanks to uh, uh, the Wasabi Venture Stables and our handicapping abilities cross paths as well. And I think we're kind of like the odd couple of <laughs> handicapping because we we get on one another about um, our handicapping angles and who we like. So Eric thought that maybe it might be a, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a podcast to um, be both entertaining and informative with two different types of uh, um, opinions. And those opinions start with our choice of past performance uh, publications, where uh, even though I'm uh, Eric's elder, somehow along the way, I, I converted to Brisnet and Eric's uh, uh, loyal to DRF. So um, listening to this podcast, hopefully um, we'll be able to give you two different uh, outlooks based on the past performances. Uh, so hopefully everybody can enjoy it. Right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even call this episode one because it's kind of like a test episode. We'll call it like episode zero because that's how many people are probably going to listen. But um, so we'll call it episode zero. And what we're going to do today is really just one segment that we have planned. Um, I really would love to focus this podcast on things that are not covered as much in other horse racing podcasts. Um, I think we're going to go over a lot of handicapping, uh, not so much just like who we like and tell you who to bet because anyone can do that but go through different horses and what we look at in the past performances and hopefully make you a better handicapper out there. Um, and, and also betting. I see a lot of people betting, um, not the smartest strategies always betting where, you know, they can lose money consistently and it's hard over the long haul to make money in this game as it is. Uh, but hopefully we can help you with some betting strategies. We're not going to focus on that as much this week. Um, this week we're just going to go through a race and show you how we handicap the race. So, we were thinking about what race to do, so we thought about doing a, a race on Friday, and I'm planning on betting the Stronach 5, Stronach, Stronach 5, I should probably know how it's pronounced, um, and Laurel has a late pick 5 carryover on Friday, um, the 10th, that's tomorrow. So, I thought it would be good to look at that sequence. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, rain in the forecast, so I didn't want to choose a turf race for us, because if it gets rained off, everything we say is kind of out the window. So looking at the dirt races that carry over a crossover from the Stronach 5 and the Laurel Late Pick 5, I think there was only one race, and that's race 7 at Laurel. A nickel claimer, as they say. I never really said that, though, but nickel claimer. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and um, it's a $5,000 claiming race. Uh, Non-winners of three lifetime, or three-year-olds. So if you're a three-year-old, you can have won 17 times and be in this race. Very unlikely, but you could be. So what we're going to do is go over each horse in the field, starting with the one victory given. We will go through the field as quickly as possible, but also showing you how we look at horses, how we rate their chances and compare them to others. So I'm going to start with victory given here. Uh, victory given, uh, nine to two morning line. So I'm not going to look at every race he wrote, uh, he, he had on the uh, past performances. He'll be here forever. I just glance back. I see what he was running against last year, early this year. Uh, Two-year-old and three-year-old restricted races. 
uh, 12,000 claiming, so forth. After February, he goes on the shelf a little bit with uh, COVID, with the racing shut down in Maryland. And he reappears May 31st off a couple month layoff. Now in that race, he got a great setup. It was a race that if you watch the replay, one thing to look for is how does the race shape up? Are there, is there a seven to five shot in the front and a four to five shot? They're dueling like crazy and kind of kill each other and then closers come. And not that it was totally the case there, but it was a race that really fell apart the pace. And I think being way off the pace actually helped him a lot. That was also against non-winners of two lifetime. So this is now non-winners of three lifetime. So that was a much easier spot as well. So we had a great setup and an easier spot. Those are the kind of horses I would not play next time. Next time out, January, I'm sorry, I can't see, June 13th, he comes back. And they try him against 8,000 non-winners of two. Actually, it's 10,000 down to eight. So they can offer it for either one. They offered him for eight. So roughly $10,000 claimers. And it was long. It was two turns. He doesn't go two turns. He showed speed. He ran okay, I guess. He kind of quit. I, I would almost ignore that race. It didn't, I wouldn't hold it against him. I wouldn't you know, give him a, a big benefit from it. Then last race on July 4th, he runs also at that 5,000 non-winners of two level. So basically the same claiming price, but a much easier race because those horses hadn't won two races lifetime. They all won one race, and now he's going against horses that have won two races. So he ended up getting a perfect trip. He sat right off the speeds, um, passed him in the stretch, and won for fun. Now we got to, again, our numbers are different, as GQ mentioned. Um, he uses Brisnet figures. Now his buyer figure was a 59, which is as good as anyone in this field. So it was a solid race for him. But he, again, he had a, a really good trip. Um, now he steps up against a little better competition. He's definitely not impossible. He's one I would put on the bubble if I'm first looking in this race. I definitely wouldn't cross him out. But he's not one I'm running to the windows to bet at this point. Uh, GQ, you, you want to add anything? Sure. Um, and, and for those who either just use Brisnet or just use DRF, um, speed figures are comparable in that the numbers that Brisnet speed figures are, they're, they're a much higher number. And I, and I typically like to compare maybe anywhere from a 10 to 12 uh, in higher on the Brisnet side, which when you said 59 for uh, buyer, was that his career best um, buyer, 59? Yes, it was. His last three going backwards, 59 before that, the long race was 52 and then a 54. Okay. So uh, by comparison, his, his third race back to 54 was a 77 mm -hmm. Brisnet. And then the 68 was the two back when he ran the, the distance race. And then his career best, he jumped up to an 87. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, so similar as far as which races were higher and lower, but right. last just, race, they raced definitely higher. Exactly. It's just the numerical differences mm -hmm. that, that are, are, are there. Um, he, he won very easily. Not sure how great the competition was. I don't like coming back to a horse that just passed the condition. Um, he's a three-year-old, which is fine because he's been facing, you know, three and up. Um, there are, even though this condition for the races, three-year-olds can have more than two wins. Um, there are none in here. There, there are a couple three-year-olds, but they're all just like their peers. Uh, they all have two wins. Uh, I, I, I can't, as much as I loved him the last time coming off of uh, that, that distance race, I can't play him back because he, he just did that six days ago. 
and since it's a career best, he ran. Could it could be a bounce situation? Right. You know. See, I see. I can agree in many ways what you said. The only thing is, I feel like he improved last race steadily. It wasn't like a, a huge bump up, but the Brisnet numbers are different, so maybe they, you know, more foreshadow that or show that. Um, but to me, he's steadily improving. His trainer is five for thirty uh, at the meet, seventeen percent, and a few more in the money. So um, I'm probably a little more in favor of the one, I guess we can say, but I'm not in love with the one. Is that okay. fair to say? Yeah. All right. So, so with that, we'll. And, and I agree with you. He he did it easy. He he was much the best in that last race. And maybe they're bringing him back this quick. One because you know the race fits his condition, and two uh, maybe maybe his form will hold. Uh, again, it, it was just a six for a long race, and he wasn't extended by any uh, mm. uh, uh, stretch. All right. So number two is Big Boots seven to two morning line. Um, looking at it, his last race, he was claimed from Kieran McGee. Uh, in that last race when um, uh, he was claimed by another local uh, at law, Richard Silliman. Uh, here's a good angle for you. He's a reclaim. Silliman used to have him back in February. He lost him to McGee uh, in February. He had a chance to, to get him back for the, for the same uh, price that he, he lost. So that's always a good sign in my book. Um, the thing that's weird is that uh, he'd bring him right back to the same level. Okay. Uh, the, his last race that um, I, I noticed about Kieran McGee horses at post, you know, coronavirus opening that McGee's horses um, were coming up short, meaning that he had taken all of his horses. He trains out of Pimlico. He took all of his horses off, um Pimlico and sent them out to the farm he brought them back probably the middle of April and end of April so when races started back up I thought all of his horses were kind of short as far as uh conditioning goes so maybe that that's the case with uh big boots where he went off probably second choice at five to two um he had no excuse he looked like he was traveling well, but then he, he just weakened late. And I noticed that happened to many of Kieran's horses who were coming back and maybe were a little short. Um, he has had a, a workout. Silliman worked him out for three furlongs on July 2nd. So um, even though he didn't have an excuse and he's, he's coming back at the same level, um, he, he seems to always be there, you know, running, running evenly, but he, he's doing that against, you know, only five, six, seven horses. So um, I, I definitely use him. He, he's won at this six and a half furlong distance. He's one for one. And of the few who have run at this distance, um, he's got the best Brisnet number. He's got, it, it's an mm. 83. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'd give him a shot in here. Yeah, you said a lot of the things that, um, that I was going to say anyway, so I'll be real brief on, on the two big boots. Um, as you said, McGee claimed them February 27th at this level from, um, from Silliman, and he came in second. So McGee got, I don't want to say lucky, but he got very fortunate because the horse was one to five that day at this level. 
and you figure he wins that, clears the level. So McGee, I don't know if he was happy that the horse didn't clear the level and he still had this condition left, meaning he can go against non-winners of three right. again. He doesn't have to step up. Or if he was upset that he didn't run that well, uh, although he ran okay. Um, so they, they raised him up. McGee ran twice for 8000 Again, it's really 10 down to eight. So you can say it's a $10,000 claimer, or at least I look at it that way, um, which is double this, basically. Also, non-winners at three. The first time he ran pretty well. He got a 64 buyer, which is as good or better than any of the horses he's facing today. Uh, and he missed by a neck, even though he came in third. Then he goes again at that level. He did not run nearly as well at five to two. Got a 55 buyer. No real excuse that I found. And then I'll give you credit because I think you were the one who brought it up to me. But you mentioned when they started racing in Laurel again or in Maryland uh, to kind of avoid McGee horses because of what you said. I won't repeat it all. And he's over 25 so far. So I have to thank you for. Um, making me fade McGee horses because he has horses that are often short prices. He's over yeah. 25 at short prices, not you know over 25 where he's running 21 shots. Exactly. Um, so he, he brought him back. Like you said, he probably needed the last race. It was at this level. Um, he had a good trip. There's really the only excuse I can find was that maybe he was a little short because you said about the McGee horses. Silliman reclaims him, which is a nice sign, like you said. So he definitely fits well with this group and is – probably either deserving favorite or co-favorite right up there, like the 72 morning line uh, says. Now, my two reservations would be, number one, it's supposed to rain potentially. I think it's like 50% chance, so it's not definite. His worst races are in the mud. I would not take this horse at a short price in the mud at all. Okay. So if it is wet, I, I just toss him. Secondly, and usually I don't handicap much different for wet or dry, unless it's like an obvious difference with a horse's sure. best performance. And yeah. this... This horse ran a, again, your numbers are different, but I'm going back to last year. He ran a 69 buyer, then at the same level, actually he stepped up a level, I shouldn't say that, in the mud, a sealed track, a 53. So he went from 69 to 53, and then the next race at that level, a 67. So he was like 15 points lower, the one uh, muddy sealed track that he that showed. Point. So it's what I think. The other thing is, he's two for 21 lifetime, five seconds, four thirds. He, he was one to five at this level, came in second. So I can see him. Um, coming in second or third. If I bet vertically this race, I said, I don't want to go too long, so I'm not going to talk too much about the betting, but if I was betting vertically, he's a horse I can't, assuming he's dry, in second or third. Um, even though I think he has a, a good chance here, I'd probably leave him out in the pick fives and pick fours just because you're taking a short price for a horse that doesn't win much, although he definitely can. Um, I bet a little differently than other people. If I find a short price, I'm trying anything to beat them if I can. All right, so we'll go on to number three, and this is it's funny because we picked this race without really looking at it. We just knew this was a race that was in two pick fives that I wanted to play. And I don't really have a strong opinion on anyone. If you said, who's your pick? I don't know that I have one. But like I said, I want this to be more of a how-to handicap than us just giving answers uh, or probably wrong answers, but potential answers. So that brings me to number three, booby trap, 10 to 1 morning line. This is Kieran McGee, 0 for 25 McGee. But there's a difference here. This horse was not training with McGee. He's been running in New York for Merkin Cantormasi, Kent, I think they pronounced it, who is a very capable trainer. He's kind of new on the scene. He's probably been training for a while. I have no idea. I follow New York racing, came into the scene about a year and a half ago. He trains for Robert Amendola. Maybe you heard of him, an owner who's very successful. Uh, was in the game a while back in New York, got out, and then is back in and, and doing very well. Anyway, so looking at that horse, he looks awful if you just look at it. His speed figures are terrible compared to these. Uh, he has a zero buyer, two back, or negative zero, basically uh, below zero buyer. But there's some things I like about this horse. Number one, he's dropping in class. 
And we're going to talk about that a lot coming up soon because we're going to, there's the first of many class droppers here. Two back, June 5th, I look at that race. He ran against 14,000 non-winners of three. So similar to this level, non-winners of three, but 14, now he's down to five. He's dropping almost a third in price. Now, if you look, he ran eight, 53 lens, zero by it. But that was a race that fell apart. 22 and four opening quarter, 46 half for cheap claimers. Walk off of Brad Coxworth won that. Uh, I think it was Brad Cox at the time. Closed from way out of it in that race. It, it was just a race that fell apart. So the fact that he showed speed, hung around for half the race against much better in a rocket, uh, or really fast pace, that is actually a somewhat impressive race for me, even though he got a zero buyer. So a lot of people can see that, oh, he's terrible. But you know what? If he went against a little weaker horses, I can see betting him back. Then he goes at the same level the next time, uh, two, mo- two weeks later, June 19th. And he's eight wide. He doesn't, I mean, he really didn't do anything. Uh, you can watch the replay. He's wide, but he was not threatening anyway, even though he only lost by five lengths. But in those races, you needed a 70-something buyer to win. This race, you're going to need maybe a 60 to win at best. And you can probably get away with a high 50s buyer. So much easier field. I mean, that, that field towers over this one. So a horse who's dropping, a horse who showed some life, even though he didn't run that well. A horse also, when I look at that, if they have back numbers too, like if he had not had any back numbers, he's a, a four-year-old already, I'd be like, all right, forget it. But the fact that he used to run fast enough, again, that can scare some people. He's not the same horse, and he probably isn't. But he's more than capable in this field. If I had to pick one horse to win and I wanted a price, this is a horse I'm going to try. I can't say I love him, but I found some excuses. I looked up Kieran McGee, 39% off of a clash drop of 50% or more in the last three years, the last five years I've got. So 39% winners with a similar move. And I started saying, I'll, I'll wrap it up, but McGee, yeah, over 25, he said his horses maybe weren't ready or quite as ready on the farm. Again, this one raced in New York for another trainer. So he's been running. So this is not the typical McGee horse who might have needed a race. Anyway, so this would be my pick if I had to pick one. Again, don't love. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, GQ. Yeah, um, speak, speaking of uh, McGee, this is kind of, unorthodox for McGee because it's not a claim. Uh, it, it's a New York horse that obviously they just felt that there, there aren't any races up in New York that this horse can compete at. So somehow um, they had the connection with Kieran to bring the horse down. It's the same owner, just bring him down and hopefully he can uh, cash some checks in, in, in uh, Maryland. Um, the interesting thing, the thing that raises a yellow flag for me on this horse is if you look with the previous trainer his last seven races he's had six different jocks and Kendrick Carmouch appears to only have raced him back because he ran his best race uh, with Carmouch the first time after that horse did nothing at the same level uh, and came back uh, I watched the replay of the, the most recent race on, on June 9th, 19th when Vargas was on him. The horse pretty much did everything on his own, was never asked, and the horse was kind of in contention, if you want to call about five lengths mm-hmm. out, you know, coming into the stretch. And Vargas only went to the whip once, and after that kind of just – didn't even urge the horse. So it kind of raises the yellow flag for me. Is, is this horse right? You know? Um, and, and again, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk anybody off the horse because of the class drop, 
but it it's not it's not the type of horse that I I can really fall in love with. Um, but uh, you know, stranger things have happened. So <laughs> I'm curious to see how he runs now. Again, it's not I can't say I love the horse, but this is a weak field for this level. I feel and. You know, we'll see how he uh, how he does. Hopefully, he shows right. some life, but we'll so, see. So, speaking of suspect horses, let's uh-huh. move on to four. <laughs> Dirt, Dirty Foot, who is the morning line uh, three to one favorite. Uh, very interesting once again. Um, this horse was actually he ran on June twelfth tw- uh, tw- uh, um, at uh, sixteen thousand nine winners of three. Uh, prior to that, he had been entered the week prior on the sixth here at Laurel for um, a lower level, uh, 10,000 non-winners of three. He was the nine to five morning line favorite and he was a trainer scratch, which might tell me that maybe the trainer got word that maybe somebody was interested in claiming the horse. So they decided not to run him. I'm not sure about that. so he, he, he wound up stepping him up thinking, hey, if somebody wants to take him for 16, go for it. Uh, he didn't run all that bad, but the winner was 23 to 1, and the horse that ran second was 17 to 1 that day. Um, he he kind of he went off 3 to 1 off of a 5 to 2 morning line. Um, the thing that I don't quite understand, for the same trainer, Forrest Boyce seemed to be the rider of this horse. Forrest had six other mounts that day on June 12th and elected not to ride this horse. Um, That kind of concerns me. Looking at the replay, the horse looked fine. He just didn't, just didn't have it in the tank to, to come back. So I, I'd probably use the horse, but not, not with a whole bunch of confidence with with your outlook. This is where we, where we disagree a lot in our outlooks. Like to right, me, a, cool. a three to one shot. If you're saying it's a three to one shot, and I don't really feel confident, I'm like, all right, so get rid of the horse. Don't even use him okay. at all. That's that's what we did. That'll be in, a subject of another podcast with, uh, with betting. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a horse I'm not going to use. If he beats me, he beats me. Uh, you said a lot of the things. Now he was running last year and the spring into the summer. Listen, if he runs those races, he's 50 times. He's going to win by 20 lengths. He was so much faster than these horses running as allowance competition. He won a 50,000 starter allowance. Comes back off a June 8th layoff from last year to February. And so he hadn't run in, what, eight months, whatever that is. You do the math. Runs at a starter allowance, 25,000 or optional claiming. I guess he was up for tags for 25,000. And listen, he was off for a long time. He didn't run terribly, I guess. Needed the race. Okay. Doesn't run for a couple months, I'm assuming, because of uh, COVID shutdowns and all. Comes back at 16,000, now winners of, of three also. And like you said, there's really no excuse in the race. He just didn't run a great race. The fact that he was three to one in the race, I don't know if it's a great race. I guess people are looking at the back numbers, thinking you can get back to those numbers. A horse who is nowhere near what he used to be, but you're paying for his old stats. It's kind of like if you sign a 35-year-old baseball player who three years ago, four or five years ago, was hitting 40 home runs a year. But the last two years, he only hit about eight or 10, but you're paying them for what he did in the past. I just, you know, I just don't like that. Could he win? Of course he could win. Uh, he doesn't have any excuse last race. I mean, maybe he needed a race off of another short layoff. Uh, but there's a horse that I can see winning. If he wins, I will be out of any pick fives that I am in. Um, moving on to number five, Day. 
it's funny, there's a horse that if you asked me about him three months ago, I would have said no way. And now I'm going to say yes way. Uh, yes day, I should say. Maybe that's his name. Um, February 6th. When I look back, I'm going to look back three races. I'm going to go, not every horse. You know, some I look further back, some I don't look as far back. Three back. He was at Gulfstream off a little bit of a layoff. Not much. He runs for 8,000, but now winners of two. And now an 8,000 non-winners of two is probably easier than a 5,000 non-winners of three. You can argue, and it depends on the field, but the fact that you're going against horses who have more wins uh, makes it a little more difficult to me. But regardless, even if it was somewhat even. Now he won that day, going seven furlongs. He got a 69 buyer, which would win this race, definitely. Again, easily in that day. He hung on for dear life. Um, really no excuse. The horse that chased him was 7-1, and he ran 7-1. Uh, so basically, they just went speed around the track. So after that race, I would be like, I'm not touching this horse because he's what we call dressed up, meaning that 6-9 buyer, he really didn't run that well. It was just because he got an easy lead on a day when or a race where speed just held in there, no pace. So I didn't like him at all coming back. Now, I don't bet fairgrounds, so I'm sure I didn't bet the March 8th race, but I would have been against him. Now, no real excuse in the race. It was at the level he's at today. Um, it does say he's reluctant broke through the gate. Now I watched the replay. It doesn't show that. So maybe it happened before and they didn't put it in the replay, but, uh, or that I saw. So, all right, you want to excuse the race. I can excuse the race based on that information. You got a 50 buyer, which is not good enough, but okay, we'll excuse that race. Now he comes back June 22nd at Delaware. He's going a mile. That's two turns. He's never done that before. And I would think further than he wants to go. I could be wrong, but I would think so based on his races so far. He is going to chase a hot pace there, or decent pace. I guess call it hot for this level. It was at a very similar level, right? Now winners of three like this. It was for $62,500, $6,250 in Delaware. Very similar to the 5,000 claimers at Laurel, I would think. Uh, the fact that he was 5-1 to one in the race makes me think it was similar because it will probably be similar odds here. So last race, he chased a 24-to-1 shot, who, who basically died, just not literally, I shouldn't use that word, but faded to the back. So the pace did not hold together. I that was a long shot. He was chased by a four to five shot who was in third, who kind of attacked him. I guess it was like the, on the turn. So the four to five shot got up to the pace and that horse only got second, a closer team and, and, um, and won the race. So the fact that he was able to put away a 24 to one shot badly, and then he got dueled by a four to five shot who he didn't get crushed by, lost by four lengths. But uh, the fact that a closer came shows me that that race favored closers. Um, in fact, the four to five shot was up on the pace and, and still couldn't win. So I upgraded that race a lot because I think he was on a pace that was pretty hot and I think it was impressive. Secondly, it was probably longer than he wanted to go and he didn't totally quit. And, um, well, those are the two main reasons, uh, Camejo, who I'm not that familiar with cause he runs, I think more in Delaware and I saw him at fairgrounds a little, I know he wins at a very high percentage, so that doesn't worry me at all. Cintron's a solid jockey, uh, for Laurel here. So this is a horse that I definitely would not have liked three months ago, but today I like, and I think he has a big shot. Um, I would probably take the three just for the price because I think day will be a little shorter price, but I would not be upset if I got stuck with day uh, as a winner. I think he'll be on or close to the lead. And uh, this is a horse that I like for the reasons I said. I'm curious your thoughts. Go ahead. Um, shocker, news at 11. We actually agree on – a wow. lot of this and, and he's not two to one look at that i'm proud yeah of you. and in fact i um put a gun to my head i'd single him wow that. um for for all the reasons that you said um the fact that you had mentioned the weather's iffy his two wins 
he's one for one on off track, mm-hmm. and then he's also won his other race on on, on a fast track. Um, he's not a miler. He he's probably a sprinter. You know, seven furlongs. You know, like you said, he held on. And if you look at this race, there is zero pace in this race. So if Cintron, who is a very smart, capable jock, if he wants to go back and put him on the lead, the horse has the ability to go up to the lead because of that race at Gulfstream going seven. Mm-hmm. And and I think um, that's uh, where, where it's going to happen. Um, the the race, two races back at Fairgrounds, when you said he was reluctant to load, yeah, you're never going to see that on the replay. But the more important thing is he broke through the gate. How many horses you see run well after breaking mm-hmm. through the gate? Mm-hmm. So um, I think he still ran ran decent uh, to, to be third. Uh, he ran well in that Delaware race, and uh, he, he ran on well for, for the mile. So um, the, the interesting thing is uh, he's taking blinkers off. So I don't know how he'll react to that as far as being keen early. Right. Um, but I, I'd be willing, you know, like I said, Put a gun to my head. Plus, he's one for one at Laura already, which came on a Monday track. It's all the way down. It's about it's the tenth uh, race all the right. way down. But I mean, this horse, um, he, he he's well traveled. Uh, <laughs> he don't he don't know who's going to be saying good morning to him based on all these trainers that he he's had in barns. Uh, this is so, fifth fifth track in five races. I don't yeah, know if that fifth matters, track but. <laughs> five races, the same number of trainers in in, in, in that amount uh, of time, or at least in his career. Eight. Yeah. So I mean, he he's lightly raced, only only going into his ninth race. So um, to, in order to speed things up, uh, I'm just going to say, uh, yeah, the, he's going to be my top pick. All right, very nice. I think it's your turn to start with Dapper oh, yeah, Man. I'm the sorry. Six. So so moving on to the six Dapper Man with the. Uh, Angel Cruz aboard again, who uh, is uh, for third after layoff uh, handicappers. This is his third race after a, a brief layoff during coronavirus season. Uh, have no idea why they, they brought him back to, to run that turf on the turf race. It's not like they needed to fill it. I mean, everybody wants to run on the turf. They got a backlog. The horse had been never been in the money in four previous starts. So I, I don't understand that move. Um, but and he was 82 to one in that race too. So it's not like exactly. shot. You know, and he, he ran he, he ran horrible. Never picked up his feet uh, at, at Tampa uh, when they took him down there to to get a race in him during this COVID, uh, which which is actually surprising that the horse uh, uh, was training up here at Pimlico in April. And they actually shipped him to Tampa for that race. Uh, and he never picked up his feet. So um, this is one, even though it's it, it's it's a precipitous drop, um, his numbers to me just don't add up uh, to put him on a ticket. Though, yeah, that, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Though, though what I will end with, uh, Bruno uh, t- uh, Tassor, uh, pretty gaudy numbers, third off the layoff at 35% over the last five years based on Brisnet stats. Yeah, and he's, I looked on a 50% drop, which this horse is more, you know, 50% or more. He's four for 17 the last three years. So that's not a bad percent, just under 25% with a similar move. Um, listen, this horse can win. I don't want to repeat everything you said. Uh, 
if this race was a few months ago, he probably either does win or has a great shot if it was in February. Not in the best form. Said didn't lift his legs at Tampa. I mean, maybe he didn't like the track. It's a quirky track, but uh, I'm going to take a stand that this horse, uh, you know, has to beat me here. I'm not, uh, I'm not in love with him. Um, again, I, I would just see the declining speed figures and the drops when, when horses are declining speed figures and dropping. That's not usually uh, a good sign. Um, so I, I'm going to lean against him. Uh, I can make it pretty easy uh, to speed things up with a seven. Father's luck. I just think he's too slow for this race. Um, now, if I look, you know, the first thing I look at, right, not first thing, but I glance at the speed figures. This horse, again, we have different numbers. He ran a 49 buyer his last two races. It's probably going to take about a 60 to win this. He's never run faster than that. Now, I don't automatically dismiss a horse because he's 10 points below where he has to be. Um, but I say, all right, is there a chance that he ran better than it looks? Did he actually run better than the 49? Uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a sec. And or, and or is he improving where he can take a jump up? So I looked at his last race. Again, you never know with this layoff who needed a race and who didn't. But he ran a lower level, right? 5,000, but that now is of two, like we talked about the one horse. He was 47 to one in the race and he won. But it was a, a closer race. It was a fast pace. Horses came off the pace and did really well. So he was aided by the pace. So his 49 is actually a little dressed up, meaning he probably ran less than a 49, if that makes sense, or it wasn't too impressive to get the 49. He's got to take a major jump. I, I just think he's too slow stepping up in class, low speed figures. So I would just pass on to the next horse. Feel free to add something though, if you'd like, but uh, otherwise I'm ready for the eight, but go for it. Yeah. The only thing I'll add with the seven, I think his, his only shot in Toledo, uh, heavy on Toledo, Toledo is a smart jock. Um, he's, he did show speed, you know, before, even though the, the, you know, they were going slow early, <laughs> but back on January, in January, it was probably, the track was probably a little frozen. So maybe that's why the, the fractions look a little better, but it looks like his only shot, since there's not a whole lot of speed in the race is Toledo to just send him and see how far he goes. Uh, right. So, yeah, so that, that's all I have to say about uh, Father Luck. Um, father's luck. Number uh, eight, Cool Man Cletus, 15 to one morning line. Uh, Kevin Gomez, very capable, uh, underrated journeyman jockey, uh, stays with this mount for Jonathan Maldonado. Uh, two for 25 lifetime, one for 20 on a dry, fast track. This might be the horse that you use if the track comes off. off. Um, it's it, it's strange that this horse has been a sprinter his entire life, and his sire is Drosselmeyer, who won the classic. So yeah, one one for eighteen lifetime against Laurel. If you're a vertical uh, exact uh, exotics player, hey, he, he's he's placed and showed nine of his eighteen times at Laurel. So. Um, Use him underneath. Yeah, he was clean. Like, if I'm looking at this horse, how I would handicap, I'd look back, uh, I'd go back to his February 13th race. I'd kind of start there. Again, I'd glance at the race before that, but not really in depth. He got claimed for 5,000, non winners of two, and he wins easily at six to one that day. So, kind of an unlucky claim for Jonathan Maldonado because obviously he lost that condition. <laughs> loses, yeah. Right. So, he has to go up against a non winners of three. So, it was kind of a tough. Yeah, he raised him up to 16,000. So obviously he felt like, hey, I want to see what we got here. And he didn't run all that well. He showed some life at least, chased the, you know, the pace and all, mm -hmm. but didn't run great. So he dropped him back to 10,000 non-winners of three, 
which is a little softer spot, but still a lot tougher than the race he got cleaned out of. And he kind of ran an even third. His speed figure was a 58 as buyer, which, you know, puts him in the mix for this one, if, if you believe the figures. Um, so, okay, you know, that's fine. Then he comes off the, the brief layoff. He runs June 6th, like you said. Again, 10,000 nominees of three. And he really didn't do anything. Um, he kind of just, I call it, like, my notes I just wrote, sucked up. Uh, hopefully it's appropriate. He just kind of sucked up in the end. I mean, he was way up the pace. And, you know, horses who were chasing just got a little tired. So he passed one or two of them. Uh, really to be a very unimpressive race. Again, it's challenging this time of year because you don't know who needed a race and who's going to step forward or who's really training hard and all. But when I look at that, I don't know. He was 9-1 in the race, so how good of a race was it for that level? Um, I guess it was a decent race to the level. Um, but the fact that he has not run well uh, and now they're dropping him, could he win? Of course. The fact that he's 15 to one makes me think, wow, you know, maybe I'd use my, I honestly thought he'd be about eight to one morning line. Um, maybe he will go off that. I'm not sure, but he's a horse that I would probably lean against, but definitely can beat me. Uh, that's kind of a theme here. There's so many droppers in this race. You know, what do you do with horses that are dropping? One thing I look for is a, are they in terrible form and they're just looking to get rid of them? I try and figure that out and get rid of them. And B, do they have numbers in the past where, you know, maybe they were running against better horses? Because when you run against someone, if I'm sprinting against Carl Lewis, I'll date myself. I can probably, I probably still wouldn't beat him, but he's probably 60-something now, so I have a little shot. But if I was running against Carl Lewis in his prime, and I sprinted with him for half a race, and then just, you know, kept somewhat close, and then totally faded, that's probably more impressive than if I was running against, I don't know, elementary kids and, and just beat them. So the fact that he's <laughs> running against better Sometimes, like, the speed figures are off, meaning it's easier to get better speed figures versus weaker horses, in my opinion. So when you go against weaker, you're close to the lead, you get brave, these horses aren't that great, so you can run better. When you go against better horses, you start running, and it's like, oh, my God, these are so much better. You almost kind of give up, not necessarily intentionally. So when I'm looking at a horse who's running against better horses, that's kind of like the three, uh, Big Booty, I think was the name. I hope I got it right. Booby Trap. Um, he, he went against better horses, and he put up terrible numbers, but it was better horses. So now that he's going against weaker again, does he have back races that could win this or are good enough? And in Kume and Cletus's case, he doesn't really, in my opinion. Um, February 13th race at Laurel, where he ran against weaker competition, and he had a lead that was not the you know, toughest lead. That was the only race in his career, pretty much, going back until a race at Charlestown in September of 2019, that was fast enough. So listen, he's 15 to one. If he's anything like that, I would never talk you off the horse. You know, the fa- you brought up some good points about him being in the money a lot. You know, you want to put him second and third, especially, and, uh, or fourth and supers and stuff. Totally would not argue with you. He definitely could win this even. It's uh, just not the, the horse for me. Uh, I'll move on because I know we're going a lot longer than we thought. Uh, number nine, one more Tom, the lone five-year-old in the field. So GQ will probably love this horse because we know the older, the better for him. Uh, um, Anyway, so when we look at this horse, what do we do? Well, first of all, the trainer, Jeremiah Englehart. You know, I'm a, a New York guy, and Englehart has had a lot of success the last couple of years here in New York. Um, he has not done as well the last few months for whatever reason. Um, but he's, he's a trainer who's very, been very successful the last couple of years, and he trains a lot for Bill Parcells. He's had some luck with him recently. Anyway, so I'm looking at this horse. The horse ran against 16,000, non-wars of two where he wasn't really that competitive. And then they dropped him on November 2nd. So again, this is how I would look at the race, going through the races. November 2nd, first race at Laurel. He is 
10,000 non-winners of two, and he closes and wins that race. Okay, not bad. You know, you beat 10,000. Again, non-winners of two. So I don't know if that's tougher or easier than this spot. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, something I sometimes do is look at the odds of the horse that race. So he was nine to two, and he was coming off of like a 54, 51 buyer, which wouldn't win this race. So I think he was nine to two. It's probably a similar race, maybe even a little weaker than the field he's facing today. Then they take him two turns. Now he's stepping up to the non-winners of three lifetime. This is November 29th. And in that race, he just, he gave way. I didn't go back and watch it. Sorry. I, you know, I, I watched two, three replays of horses usually, but at some points, uh, you know, you can just kind of toss the replays, I feel. Um, and you just don't have time. But anyway, he didn't really run a lick that day. So they brought him back in January. And this is for Bob Claceres. And he ran, I have so much writing I can't see, but uh, at this level, 5,000 non-winners of three at a mile. And in that race from the outside post, he says four wide in the quarter, no rally. Um, he just didn't really have an excuse other than, I, I can't even make an excuse for him that race. He was dropping and he didn't run well. He was 72 in the race, so he figured he should have had a shot. He's another one where, you know, he's dropping, although he already did drop. But when a horse drops, how did he run at this level? And he did nothing at this level. Now, his angle heart scares me. That's the one caveat I have. But again, looking at his races, does he have a race fast enough to win this? You'd have to go back to October of 2018 for him to have run a race fast enough to win this. By run a race fast enough, I mean a speed figure that would be good enough to win this. So you're taking a, a horse who has not run a speed figure in a year and a half, two years, fast enough to win this race. He got, you can argue, well, he was running maybe against a little better, but he dropped to this level and did nothing with Trevor on him. So he's a horse I would not play. The only thing is, listen, is Engelhart. Engelhart wins, not so much in Maryland, it looks like. He wins at a, a great rate. I actually looked up some numbers for him, uh, and I can't find where I wrote it, but it wasn't an amazing percentage um, with this layoff off a of claim. I think that's what it was. Um, off a of claim, and then a six-month or more, 150-day or more layoff, he was about 11%. And he was like one for nine. It wasn't very many. Uh, big sample size. But anyway, listen, could he win? Engelhart, of course, Sheldon Russell's riding lights out. Um, of course he win, but he's a horse that, again, I just wouldn't touch uh, in this spot. Um, I thought he'd actually be more like four to one in the morning line, uh, even though, you know, I said a lot of negative things because he was seven to two at this level. It's Engelhart and Sheldon Russell. And I still think he might go off about four to one. Uh, but he's a horse I'm going to avoid. Again, I wouldn't be shocked. You heard me say that a lot today. You know, this horse can win, this horse can win. It's very hard, except for the seven, and maybe when we get to the 10, I see anyone capable of winning this probably, but I'm going to go in a different direction. Your thoughts? Uh, the, the fact of the matter that, uh, like you said, six to one morning line where he went off at the same level, seven to two last time, kind of indicates something. Uh, the, I won't rehash anything that you had already said, but uh, – the, the, the thing that I don't quite understand, uh, maybe this horse, uh, Engelhart claimed, he claimed for himself, okay? Mm -hmm. He owns the horse. He thought maybe he could improve the horse since he's New York bred, stay up in New York and, and uh, run up there. The fact that he's bringing him back down here is not a vote of confidence that the horse is anything close to what he thought the horse could be, claiming him for a nickel. And the fact of the matter that Maryland has a uh, um, ruling where uh, horses who had, had run post uh, uh, up until 
March, whenever the coronavirus stopped racing down here and had not run since at any other place, they were eligible to come back at that same condition for a waiver. So if Englehart thinks he, he got a, a nice deal, uh, only paying a nickel for this horse, uh, I would think he would go for the waiver and not, not risk losing him. So right. and that was a good point about the New York bread. The fact that he runs in New York mostly, you know, he can go against New York breads and the purses are insanely high for New York breads and he's not even going to try that. So that's a, a great point. So, but, but to, 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 to your point, and since you're, you're the New York guy of this twosome, um, what's like the lowest level in New York you can run for? That's a good question. Whether, whether, it, be, whether it be state bread or not. You know what? Well, the, the maidens, they usually go – he's not a maiden, I know, but maiden claimers usually 25 on the dirt is the lowest level state bread maiden claimer. I've as seen 14,000 state breads. Yeah, I'm think. trying to think if they have like the 14,000 non-winners of three. They have those. I don't know if they have state bread. You see a lot of 25,000 state bread, but those are open company. Uh-huh. Um, I'm really not sure the restricted New York bread – uh, New York friends, I, I can't remember seeing too many of those races. I could be totally off, but right. So, uh, yeah, so that, that. that's my take on one more time. I'm yeah. Uh, the, my my overall take on him is why in the hell hasn't has this horse only been on the turf once? Which I looked <laughs> back was his first time he ran. It was his debut going mm-hmm. long on the fairgrounds turf, and he and he ran dead last at thirty to one. Maybe that's why, but. Anything, anything sired by more than ready and yep. broad brush uh, offsprings also did well on the turf as well. I mean, I I throw this horse on the turf uh, here in Maryland. The, the lowest is uh, sixteen thousand. Hey, throw him <laughs> on the turf, see what he's got. Yeah, it's not a terrible idea. I uh, when I was younger, I used to go to the track with a, a family friend, a friend of mine, older gentleman, and uh, got me into horses a lot. And he used to clip out from the New York Post. They used to put up like once or twice a year mud sires. And he would clip it out and he'd pull it out of his wallet. You know, this is before cell phones and technology and mud sires. And I remember there were a couple from back then and Broad Brush was on that list. So, uh, yep. mud sires. so if it's muddy, I don't know if you want to throw him in. He's over two on the mud, but he's a horse that could win, but I'm against two. And finally, right. number, number 10, I, I think it's your turn, but I'll just say number 10, I'm just tossing the horse. He hasn't run fast enough. Uh, in the last few races at this level, he hasn't even been competitive yet. His Mac races aren't fast enough. So if you want to speak about it, go for it. The only thing I'm going to say is through uh, a lot of pen horses will ship down the Laurel for races. Mm-hmm. I don't know about um, the buyer numbers, but I found that the pen speed figures for at least Brisnet are higher than what <laughs> they really deserve. You know, you know, it's funny. That's absolutely true. There was a horse I really liked at Laurel. He was coming from Penn. And he ran up the track, and I'm like, there's no way with what he's doing. He was a pen shipper, and your friend or our common friend Tom, he'll get a shout-out. He, uh, and he's like, ooh, those pen numbers are inflated. And I never really bet pen shippers at all, so right. I didn't know what's going on. But now I absolutely agree with you on that. So so, so let's, let's wrap this up by, by at least uh, throwing, throwing anybody who's willing to listen to this uh, a bone. Um, as far as uh, my selections, I'll go with what I said. If I put a gun to my head, I'd, t- I'd put the five as a single. If you don't want a single, here's my caveat. If the track uh, is fast, I'd use the two as well, big boots. 
if it's an off track, substitute in the, the aid horse, uh, Cole, uh, Cole Man Cletus, for Big Boots. Uh, so you either, uh, I'd say you go too deep regardless. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, this is part of the Stronic uh, pick five. Right. And, and for me, again, this is not a race I love. This is what I'm just hoping to survive. But um, I, I would use a three and five. Again, the three is probably more of a, a stab. Uh, five for the reasons we said. Those are the main horses I would use. And you're going to get decent prices, I would think. Um, the other horse I would contemplate, uh, I still would contemplate the one because I do think the one is an improving horse despite the step up. Uh, and Corrales is doing really well. Um, so that would be my, I guess, if I had a third horse. Um, the, the two horse I mentioned has a good chance here, but just comes in second and third all the time, it seems. So in the pick fives, pick fours, et cetera, the horizontals, I, I would probably not use the two. Um, especially if it was a big price, I went eight to one or 10 to one, I would, but not at, not at seven to two, eight and close. But that's the words I would definitely use in the verticals, meaning uh, within the race, exact is triple supers, put second, third, mostly, maybe even fourth. Because uh, I think that horse is a good shot. Again, the caveat being if it rains or it's wet, I would, I would toss it to. So I'm three, five, maybe the one, uh, the two would be the next one. And listen, the four can win or any of those droppers can win, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go against them. So I'm, I'm going to use three, five, possibly the one in my uh, multi-race bets. Uh, a lot of it have to do with the odds and, and you know, how things are playing out and what I feel the other races. Anyway, um, sorry we took so long. Uh, if any of you are still listening or listening in the first place, we appreciate you, uh, you sticking with us. Hopefully you picked up a few tips. Uh, this is just one of the many things we're going to try and do with this podcast. So uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope it helped. Uh, happy for any feedback. And uh, GQ, this was a pleasure. Happy to do it with you. Yep. Uh, first time's always a, a, a trial and see what we can do better. Or Yes, but uh, hey, bring on the critics. We have thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So everyone, thank you for listening. And hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Take care.